for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another Live and Amplified Livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet. We are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a, well, tonight, I guess, technically, we have a very special guest. We have Morgan Lynch, Mimo, Megan, you know, she's got so many names, but Morgan Lynch, how's it going? It's going really well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, doing pretty good. It's, It's getting to be that nice time of year here in Texas where it's just like, 80 degrees. It's not ungodly hot, but oh, that's it's very nice. in New York it, today. I was like, it's, it's not spring yet. This is yeah. not, it looks like spring. It's beautiful outside, but it, it does not feel like spring yet. Yeah, for sure. It, it's starting to feel a little summery out here. Like Groove. It, I want. <laughs> but then again, once the real summer hits, it's going to be like triple digits and it's just going to be insanity. So okay. I'm going to bite my tongue and stop. You can have this now. Yes. But uh, really excited to have you on. I know you got a new pro or a new album dropping uh, at midnight or tomorrow, depending on what platform people consume it on. Um, yeah. But uh, really excited to sit down and chat with you, get to know more about you and more about the project. I've been listening to the two songs that are currently up on Bandcamp off the project and uh, Unstoppable. <laughs> Amazing song. It caught me <laughs> off guard just to kind of preface that one. But um, before we kind of jump into the project and everything else, uh, what's kind of, kind of take this opportunity to introduce yourself to everybody that's just meeting you for the first time, give a little bit of your background, um, as much as you want to share, I guess. Sure. Um, so we were talking about names before, and I have many. Um, so my background is that um, I came from a acting background where I had to change my name from my, my original name, which is Megan Lynch, um, to Morgan Lynch as my professional name. So I go by Morgan Lynch. Um, and then when music came around, I was, uh, I decided to do my own project. I came from being in a lot of bands in Brooklyn and, um, and my number one home band is called Teen Girl Scientist Monthly. Mm. And I decided to do my own project because I had started writing music when I was 12 um, and then actively really writing it by 16 or so and, and started to record a bit at that point in time. And then I got really scared of putting my own stuff out there. And so it was really easy for me to be a front woman of other people's bands who wrote the music for it and everything. Yeah. Um, but it was really scary for me to put out my own stuff. Um, and then around like 27 or so, I decided, you know what, like I need to, I need to put my own stuff out there. I need to like um, to grow the confidence in order to do that. And so I started gigging as Mimo and Mimo is, um, the, the combination of Megan and Morgan. So me and Mo, but it's also my family nickname. So it all kind of like fell together when I was little, I, um, would call my mom, mommy and my dad, daddy, and my brother, Bubby was, uh, his name that I would say it like free. And then I called myself Mimi. And um, maybe I was a narcissist even at that point in time. But then Mimi became Mimo along the years. And my mother started calling me Mimo. So it's a nickname and it's also the band name. And pretty much at this point in time, I'll answer to any M name that there nice. is. <laughs> that's fair. That, that's 
Very fair. Uh, so at what point did you start during your uh, childhood? Did you start taking music like seriously? Really? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, starting at three years old, I'd mm -hmm. say that I had the uh, drive to want to do it. There's actually, there's a video of me um, at three singing Baba Black Sheep. And I go up on my words as mm -hmm. like a three-year-old is want to do. And uh, my mother is sitting there and there's like, you know, the video. I would say that this is probably my one diva moment. Like I really think that for the most part, I kind of keep it real. But this, this one moment at three years old was like a shining moment where she starts to help me out and sing. And mm -hmm. I like, deadpan look at her and walk over to her and like tap her on the leg and say stop singing and so that was that was the start of it yes. and as, as long as I knew I mean as long as I can remember mm -hmm. I always wanted to um be in music or theater it was acting and music to me mm -hmm. were, were one and the same in a lot of ways and I started in musical theater actually yes. um but my parents are so supportive but they also came from the arts mm -hmm. and i think that they were very afraid of what it would be for me to be a child actor or you know like any of any of that so they tried to kind of pull me away from it and then by 10 i kind of forced them to start taking me to auditions and it was musical theater auditions mm -hmm. so that was the marriage of, of the music and, and the theater um and then i continued to do that throughout all of middle school and high school. And I grew up right outside the city. So I was doing it professionally yeah. in the city. Um, and then when I, when it came time to go to college, I went to NYU and I decided to just do straight drama. And that was like the divergence from musical theater where music took a path on its own and, and drama theater acting took a path on its mm. own. So that's when I started to do bands and stuff and then kept yeah. my, my acting separate. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when you started uh, joining the various different band projects at that point, were you already starting to write your own music or were you just joining the bands and just kind of yeah, participating so in their writing process? I actually started writing music when I was 12. Okay. Um, so I started writing first on the guitar for a very short amount of time, even mm -hmm. though I, I, my stronger instrument though I do not think that I'm strong on it, is the piano. Okay. Um, and that I'm like looking over at my piano right now. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, started in like first grade on the yes. piano, but writing music, I started on the guitar for mm -hmm. like the first, I'd say couple, first year or so. Mm -hmm. um, and it was my form, like there's a lot of stuff going on in my family and stuff. It was my form of therapy was mm -hmm. writing, was writing music. And so I started at 12 and then switched over to the piano by, by high school and then was actively writing. I think by the time I, I graduated high school, I already had like a catalog of, of 50 plus songs or something. So I was constantly writing. Um, but I also started to get shy about sharing my own music. Mm. And so it was a lot easier for me to be a front woman of bands mm. that, um, I could just plug into the role yeah. of, of that and, and sing. Um, but it wasn't like, here's my soul. And if you don't like it, then like, I don't know, like, we're like, we're, yeah. we're like, I guess like, I don't count as a human being. It's a lot easier to play the role, you know? Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, why do you think that you, like when you started like writing your music, you mentioned that you started on the guitar, but yeah. you'd already been playing piano for a while. Why do you think, the guitar kind of came into play. 
I think that, well, I started less, my, my piano teacher also, um, uh, was a guitar teacher as well. And I was gifted a guitar for my uncle. That was his, it was Mm -hmm. like a, a Martin, a nylon string Martin guitar. And it had, it was a big guitar. So it was hard for my little hands to like actually, (laughs) actually do it. Um, but because I would learn, uh, chord progressions and everything on the guitar and Mm -hmm. we were learning Dylan songs and we were, Mm -hmm. you know, that seemed like an easier place for me to start writing at least because Mm -hmm. piano for me was classical. Like I didn't know how to break it down yet to accompany myself, you know, and that, that came a bit later with another teacher. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you, you started with piano and then shifted to guitar and that kind of spontaneously brought on the writing process. And uh, then you, as the writing process grew, you kind of, I'm not going to say phased out, the guitar oh i can't play guitar now oh, i like okay. I, I like sometimes i they you know bandmates will put it in my hand i'm like c chord f chord <laughs> you know <laughs> like i'm not gotcha. I'm never really that proficient to begin with like yeah. I, I think i started when i was maybe like 11 or so mm, and then i like gotcha. dropped it by 13 like it was yeah. not a long lived it, thing. it was just a thing that you tried at the time and it yeah didn't, yeah gotcha it didn't stick and, in the same way yeah for sure uh so from there you uh you said you were in several different bands. Are you? Yeah. I mean, currently, currently I'm actually in a couple bands mm. still. Um, but throughout, throughout time, I started in a band called the Hay. Um, mm. and that was right out of college. I started okay. with that band. Um, and that was a, a Brooklyn based band. Um, Matt Royberger was the writer of it. And, uh, I was asked to be a part of it because someone saw me, perform with another band a few songs and Mm -hmm. I was like, no, you should be a part of this band over here. Um, And then that band broke up (laughs) and I was like, I was, I was a fifth female singer. Um, I think that we were on the fifth basis at the time as well. It had gone through many iterations in its Mm -hmm. own life. And I think that it had kind of run its course at that point in time, but I made this, uh, you know, now, now our new lifelong uh, relationship with, mm-hmm. with Matt. Um, and so when they were going to bring um, a new project up, they asked me if I would um, come come on board mm-hmm. and, and be a part of it. And that's Teen Girl Scientist Monthly. And that's my family band. We've been together for over a decade and just love each other very deeply. Um, also started in Brooklyn. Um, but, you know, it's it's been an interesting uh ride because we are a family band so yeah. few of the members are married uh yeah. they just had a second child over you know so so we we take this on on the uh the meandering course of life yeah and then uh, through the years i was also in a band called pep um and currently i'm in a band called growl honey and then mm-hmm. teen girl is like the the home base mm-hmm. but mimo kind of came together um when i left the band pep and decided mm-hmm. that i wanted to put more time into my own project and of course keep sure. girl scientists monthly yeah i i was going to that was going to be like my next question was how does the current project of mimo kind of fit into all this but the the desire to start putting your own stuff out there after years of telling other people's stories and just kind of playing the role as, as you put it you know i i totally get that and 100 yeah. percent understood so yeah and i think that it it became uh important to kind of prove to myself that um 
I had this, all this experience performing, but, mm -hmm. but I was so afraid to put my own stuff out there that, um, it was kind of that moment of like, get over it. And if you're feeling these things, other people are feeling these things. So yeah. it's a healing experience for everyone, which is the whole point of the album and, and all of it. For sure. For sure. And so this upcoming album that we'll talk about here in a minute, it, it's the debut album for Mimo. It is. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. What's going through your mind right now is you're roughly two hours, depending on what part of the uh, country you're in. <laughs> yeah. And what platform you go to. Yeah. to um, you know, this is very exciting. It's, it's exciting to sort of have this uh, launch into mm -hmm. it and be able to talk about it. Um, it's been a very interesting experience because also part of my life is that um, I just graduated a master's program for traditional Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. And so that, that just happened on April 10th. And so with this coming, it's this whole thing has been this like ultimate culmination time. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know how to discern one feeling from the other at this point in time. It's like, there's just a lot happening yeah. right now. Yeah, completely understood. You know, and actually I had a podcast last night that they're in the same situation where they're getting ready to release an album. The one of the singers is graduating with the bachelor's degree and they're getting ready to go on, on like a summer long tour and it's all happening within like two weeks of each other. It's like, that's gotta be insane. Yeah. You just can't, you like, can't really think about, mm. uh, it's hard to sort of parse out where the feelings are coming from, really. Yeah, for sure. But we'll talk about the um, uh, the uh, the degree that you got because I when I was reading through that and I kind of saw uh, what you were studying, I found that rather interesting because I I'm not going to say I'm into Chinese medicine, but I try and find more natural cures cool. for stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, we'll definitely talk about talk that. About we can talk about that too. <laughs> so, um, but for the album, uh, let, let's kind of talk about the song selection process. Did you specifically write for an album or are these just kind of songs that you've been sitting on for a while? No. So the whole arc of the album is actually essentially a 20 year experience. Mm. So the oldest song on the album, as I said, by the time I graduated high school, I had already had like 50 something songs. And then since that, of course, like continued to write and everything. So, so there's like a wide catalog to look at and some are crap and some, are, you know, you, you like yeah. sometimes you just like purge something out of yeah. yourself. That's it. Um, but I, uh, the oldest song on the album is I did. And I wrote that when I was 16. Okay. Um, and then the, the most recent song on the album, because the album has its own story mm -hmm. around the release of it. But, um, I wrote when I was 29, which was the last song that we recorded on the album. Um, and so that one was worth. Um, and so, th which was the second single that mm -hmm. was released. Um, and then it's the, the gamut of 16 to 29. So there's 15 years there of, of songs. And I, I, when I started to gig out with the band, that's what kind of solidified the album. Mm -hmm. Like it was our set list. It was the songs that seemed to resonate the most. And so, um, worth and, and in between, which are both on the album. I wrote specifically, um, once I had the band and we were playing live because I knew what the parts were and I could actually like 
hear a song more for a band rather than just for me and my piano, which is the way that I always wrote before. Um, so those were the, the latest songs or the most recent songs that, that came out. Um, but for the most part, it was kind of looking through all of the music and being like, this is a good one. This is not, yeah. this, you know, like yeah, that yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, the, the fact that the songs that you, the uh, track list that you came up with are like the, I'm not going to say the most road tested, but they're all road tested, which I think is a really cool thing that bands should be doing if they're not doing, because, you know, I've, well, I mean, obviously you've been playing music longer than the pandemic. Some, some of the people we bring out here, they've only been playing music since like 2019. So yeah. they didn't really get a chance to road test a lot of their music, but I, I do really appreciate, I think music just comes off a lot more authentic when it's been road tested. Yeah. You know, and it's, once you get into the studio, it's just like you've been playing it for the last two, three, four, five years straight, day in, day out, practice, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah, and you know, like what, like what resonates with people mm -hmm. and, um, and I think that that's really important uh, for mm -hmm. me is like to make people feel connected. And so, um, yeah, it was no, nothing was written for the album in any way. It was all performed live beforehand. And then we went into the studio and because um, I didn't even know I was going to do that. Like first it was like, OK, let me get my roving gang of like mm. nine to 15 misfits that I get on stage that are my like best yeah. friends from different musical groups that I've either been a part of or have always like um, respected. And they're my friends. Um, and so it was, that's why Mimo is a sort of like ephemeral thing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's me, but it's also like my friends. And, yeah. um, and then after we did probably a year or so of, of gigging, then I was like, you know what, let's get in, into the studio and actually record 11 mm -hmm. of these songs. And that's what the album is. Gotcha. And when did you, was this like pre-pandemic that you started recording or was this oh, yeah. during? Yeah. So, so the rest of the tale of the album okay. is, <laughs> um, so I, I recorded, I think, so I started gigging with Mimo when I was 27. I, um, we recorded the album when I was 29 mm -hmm. and then I sat on it. And once again, that like little fear and the, the like shyness about sharing my own music mm -hmm. set back in and it was weird. Things would come up like, well, it's not the right time or I have to do it the right way or like, yeah. it should be like this. And, and just like year after year would pass and I wouldn't release it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the pandemic hit. Um, and I still like, that could have been a great time to release it because it mm. was already in the can. Everything was mass. Everything was, it was truly ready to go yeah. out. Um, and I still didn't do it. <laughs> and then the, and then this, the, now I'm releasing it now. Cause I think that we've all seen kind of the dumpster fire that we're in. And I was like, you know what, this is a good time to put on music yeah. and like, and make people feel connected, but it was six years waiting. So okay. it took that long to actually finally release it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, gotcha. Completely. So that's why it's like a 20 year journey. <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes those are the sweetest journeys, you know, <laughs> just the ones that take time to mature and, you know, get, everything happens for a reason at the right time. Yeah. And at this point in time, I need to kick the kid out of the house. Like it just yeah. needs to, you know, be out yeah. there into the world, for, fun for yourself, you know? Like. Yeah, completely <laughs> understood. And I, I do want to apologize. I'm called untouchable, the wrong name. I was trying. Oh, yeah, no, that's totally fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm sitting like, 
I was talking about it at the beginning and I don't even remember what I called it, but I know I did not call it untouchable. <laughs> I'm just like, dang it. I'm that guy. Thanks. <laughs> Good night. Pretty much. But um, no, so I've, you, obviously this has been a long time in the making and now you're within arm's reach of it releasing. And I'm sure your mind's got to be, racing a thousand miles an hour did i pick the right time did i you know promote it enough yeah uh what's kind of going through your mind right now quite honestly i think because i waited so long to release it that stuff is gone like i actually don't have any fear about releasing it about whether or not it's the right time i think that we've all learned that there is no such thing as the right time that time is a construct as it is like they're just like in general i think that um and then there's no right way especially mm. i think in the changing scape of the mu music industry that um it's kind of like the wild, wild west now where it doesn't really feel like there is a right way or yeah. time or anything to do anything. So like, might as well just put it out there and hope that you reach people, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. It, it's, uh, you know, there, there's no rules anymore. Just kind of do what oh. you feel. <laughs> just you know? throw it out there, see what sticks, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so I'm going to ask you to pick your favorite child off this album. Okay. What is your favorite song? to play that's on this track list? Ruth, um, so Untouchable was the first single. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a, I probably, I think that that's the most fun in a lot of ways because it's irreverent and it uh, it has like these like doo-wop roots to it mm -hmm. and everything. Um, that's what it was. I was trying to figure out I was picking up something and I yeah. couldn't remember, but doo-wop, that's what it yeah. is. Yes. Yeah, it's like kind of like a 60s girl groupie, except that yeah. the uh, the chorus has a lot of cursing in it. Um, I loved it about <laughs> it. I, it was so raw. I love that about it. That's what I, you know, I'm, yeah, that's what I loved about it. So, <laughs> But I think that actually probably my favorite child is These Roots, which is the last um, mm -hmm. song off of the album. Um yeah, there's some there's something about uh, really the recording process of what that one was too, because it's very different than I wrote it. I actually wrote it after um, I come from being a yoga teacher, and it was mm -hmm. after my my first 200 hour yoga teacher training. We had to do like some sort of presentation, mm -hmm. and it didn't really matter what it was or what it was about, but something about sort of yogic te like tenants um, mm -hmm. and talk about a book or and so I wrote a song which was always my out in school too like whenever they're like do a project I would be like okay I'm just gonna write a song about like whatever like Thomas Paine or yeah. whatever and it would get me like an A plus because they're like oh my gosh you wrote a song I'm like yeah because it's easy to do this you know like it's fine um but so I wrote these roots after going through the 200 hour training and it is sort of this feeling of non-attachment to uh the material world and having like a greater sense of love for mm. um for the interconnectedness of of us all and mm. of maybe source or or whatever and so whatever you want to call it um so that that one for me has this like special place and then when we recorded it we kind of took this acapella song which it always was 
and made this like huge soundscape at the end and it, and it um, builds in a way that could have only happened really in having great bandmates that mm. like started to do it live like that. And then we recorded it like that, which had its own life as well. And so that kind of has its own special place for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so are, are you planning on doing any like uh, visual components for the album, like any yeah. music videos or stuff like that? So um, there is a finished music video. It is already done. Um, and it's for Untouchable. It's for this single. Um, and so I got to get a bunch of my favorite people in the same room and we made a music video together. Um, and it sort of, it, it definitely complements the, the doo-wop feel. Mm -hmm. is the, the premise of, of the, the music video as well. And sort of like this magical realism. Um, gotcha. And yeah. I take it it's already out on YouTube and whatnot or? No, so no. Yeah, album drops tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, and then where the music video I think is slated for May 20th right now. Okay. So we're like kind of writing the album for a little bit and then, yeah. and then pushing the music video after that. For sure, for sure. Uh, before we jump into a little bit more about the album, uh, what kind of went into the, how was the creative process for the music video? Was it mainly your idea or did you kind of just uh, rest on the ideas of like your video production, whoever helped you produce it or shoot it or, you know? Yeah, so I actually, um, back into my like acting side mm -hmm. of things, um, I... Once I graduated NYU, I started to do less theater mm -hmm. um, and and I started to do more film and television. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned a lot of stuff on set and mm -hmm. I learned a lot about um, producing and and actually directing, like watching directors. And um, and so I guess maybe like a year before I, I made the album or maybe two years before um i directed my first short that i also mm. co-created with a friend of mine gina duvall and mm. um we it was a spec piece for like a whole series which never actually came to fruition but that was my first dabble on mm. the other side of the camera and i realized that i loved it yeah. and so then i continued to make um short films and i've had like a great creative teams behind me that are all friends. Cause luckily I like in kind of in a pod of just very creative people in mm -hmm. general. Um, and Nick D. McKelly, who is my producer of, of the album and also one of my best friends, he, um, he also is a editor and a colorist and, and everything. Mm -hmm. So he, he would help on the production side of that. Um, and for the music video, he also uh, edited it and, and colored mm -hmm. it. But the, I directed it. Um, I, the, the story was something that, that I came up with mm -hmm. mostly because I wanted to see my friend, Billy Griffin Jr. dance. And so I was like, <laughs> we're going to like create this whole thing so that like I can have you in a dance studio and, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> dance. So, and I've just had wonderful people, um, sorrow and and uh a, such a great group of humans to to pull mm. from to make it happen you sound like you come up with film film and video ideas like i do you like you want to see if something can happen and you write something around that you know so my friend and i are doing a sh uh, uh we're creating a short film now where i'm mm. going to actually act in it again and mm -hmm. not direct and he's directing yeah. um but 
I didn't know this, but the creator of Fleabag, do you know that show? Uh, it was no, a right. one-woman show, and then it became, I think it was on HBO or, or Showtime. Her whole process, instead of writing like start to finish or arc-based or anything mm-hmm. like that, is she wants to live out a moment of something. She's yeah. like, okay, I want to like feel what this thing is, and then she'll like write around whatever mm-hmm. that is. And I really like that as a as a concept, you know? Yeah. So we that's how we wrote this short, too. Yeah. I once wrote a film around the concept of I wanted to see if I could take a punch to the face. (laughs) And so I wrote a mental health piece around a guy that goes crazy and his girlfriend tries to wake him up by knocking him out. (laughs) That's great. Yes. It luckily all my short films, because I've, when I was younger, I was very bizarre with my short film ideas. And mm-hmm. so luckily a lot of them aren't out there <laughs> because yeah, they would. I, I often think that it's great that like, uh, I didn't grow up within social media. Mm-hmm. Like it came later in life. It was, yeah. it was college, you yeah. know? So like, and, cause I think that things could have gone real weird. At, at oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I once made a film around a pie eating contest. Mm. It was, just because I wanted to see if I could eat an entire, uh, I don't, in New York, did you guys have like a Baker's Square? No, or was that not a, no? What is so that? Ba- it, it was like a commercial pie company that Whoa. was in Chicago. Um, I don't think so. But anyway, so they had a French silk pie, which was basically a pie that just chocolate pudding and just a mm-hmm. bunch of chocolatey goodness. And I wanted to see if I could eat an entire. You French just wanted soap. to eat it. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to see if I could sit there and eat an entire French soap pie. And so I wrote a movie around that. So that's great. I, think <sighs> awesome. I, I mean, no, I however just... the ideas flow, I think yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I wanted to run out and scream into the middle of the street. And that's like kind of how this short started. So it's like, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Um, and how long have you been doing the uh, short films now at this point? Around the same time. So I started making them in 2000, uh, when did I, 16, 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So been doing it for a little bit. That's, uh, that's awesome. I mean, short films, it got to a point there where it was like, I got to stop doing this because it's fun, but it's expensive and it's, yeah. you know, you're not getting a lot of return off the short films as far as it's harder now i think it's Mm -hmm. it's um it used to actually be a great way to have a calling card to to go on and do other Mm -hmm. projects and everything um but once again like you know all the industries have have changed so much and even to have a short film you need to have like 10 celebrities deep in order to get into sundance now or whatever yeah oh yeah for sure for sure so you know i i totally get it but um, so the music video you're thinking and or May May twentieth, I think, May was the thrown around date for it. Either that or between that week and the week before, but but gotcha. around that time. Yeah. Awesome. The 20th. awesome, awesome. I can't wait to see it. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be you know, I always love it's watching ind- I love <laughs> watching independent um music videos. Yep, that's the word I was looking for. So <laughs> Uh, just because they range range from absolutely amazing because they put everything they had into it. And, you know, some of them, they've got really good production value to 
the absolute strange where it's like, yo, what'd you guys do that? Like, what did I just yeah. watch? So yeah. it's, I can't wait to check out, check it out. So, yes. Uh, um, w- what's kind of the uh, plan moving forward with the release? Are you doing any shows to promote the album? Like so what's that? We did a, re- we did a release show for the first single for mm-hmm. untouchable at Rockwood music hall. Mm-hmm. And that went really well. It was, it was, um, an amazing show and so many people came out and, uh, and then I was exhausted because then it was also graduation. So I kind of put like all my duties for like graduating on pause to, to do that. And yeah. then, and then I was like, Oh, I graduated in four weeks. I should probably like get my life together on that yeah. side. Um, and so I couldn't really think I couldn't get it together in my own brain to mm-hmm. like forge ahead and do, uh, an album release show on the weekend of the album release. Um, but I think that we've, we've like bantered it around with the group that I use. It's also with Mimo, it's like a roving group of friends. So it's like, it's, it's, uh, whoever can really come out and and Mm. do it. But the group that, um, that was a part of the, the single release show, um, would all be down to do another one. So I think that probably, late may as Mm -hmm. as a release show we'll we'll do something um right around the music video yeah right around the music video it all it all like is around untouchable like that's Mm -hmm. untouchable gets its own life you know hey that's cool it's it's a great song like i'm i'm not kidding when i say that it's it's a great song and i hope everybody gives a chance to go listen to it and just you know enjoy the entire body of work as it is because you you mentioned that the entire album tells a story while each song tells its own story well it's more that the album i think is it's not like a a story album it's not Mm -hmm. like one song because it's literally written from 16 to 29 it's more that the album has a life of its own in that it had such like a breath of time to exist and live and i think that for me it's um it's a journey of my own healing, which is why mm. I went with business of healing as, mm. as the title of it. And also, yep. um, the, you know, like title track is, is on it. Um, but it's, uh, with that, you know, there's like the meandering twists and, and turns that, that happen along, along your growth. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, you, throughout this journey, what's what throughout this journey of mm-hmm. working, uh, intentionally, and I'm guessing at certain points unintentionally working on this album, mm-hmm. what's one thing that you kind of took away from this entire process that'll change how you approach music mo- moving forward? I think that mostly it will be that, you know, like not to be, just put it out there. Like, mm-hmm. don't, don't be so afraid or precious about things. Like mm-hmm. it's, uh, um, a big thing for me, especially coming out of these, these two years of, mm. of quarantine and COVID and everything is that, um, music and art in general helps to connect us. And mm-hmm. it's been such a time of disconnection. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what I said before about like, if, if 
I've experienced something or gone through something, there's probably someone else out there that's experienced the same thing from a different vantage point, but like mm-hmm. has that feeling yeah. and music and, and art, um, but specifically music, I'd say has always been my salvation in mm-hmm. that way. And I think that that's why I was pushed to put it out there so that like, maybe it can be that for someone else. And mm-hmm. it just makes us feel a little less alone out mm-hmm. there. You know? for, for sure. Do you regret waiting so long to release the album? I don't think that I could have done it on a different timeline. Mm. I really believe that like everything happens um, as it has to. And I think that, you know, I think that it would also have been had I released it uh, back when we made it and had these ideas of this like Mm. perfectionism around it, where it's like, it has to be done in this way. It should look like this. The outcome has to be this, you know, then I would be this like, anxious ball of nerves and wreck and like sitting like will they like it i don't know you know and like now i'm just like i don't like just like enjoy i hope you enjoy it um but it has its own sort of space now which i don't think that it would have had before Mm -hmm. understood do you think that this comfort of just letting the album out there comes with the fact that these songs are road tested and you know these are the songs that people have reacted well to or do you think that that comfort comes from maturing over the last five, six, seven years? I think it comes more from, from maturing mm-hmm. and from, um, in the best way, like this is going to sound <laughs> like, <laughs> like not caring as mm-hmm. much about, um, about either, I don't want to say like what other people think, because I really do. I want people to feel held by, mm-hmm. by the album mm-hmm. um, and to be able to connect to it, but like not having the, the same, I think insecurities around, um, around it the way that I used to, mm-hmm. you know, I get what you're saying. Cause I kind of have that same vibe and think, oh, like I used to say, I don't care what people think. But mm-hmm. that's just like the aggressive way of saying oh, it yeah. to get the the shock value of usually oh. like that means that you very much care what people yeah. think. And it's like a way of of shielding yourself from yeah. that like deep care that actually exists, you know. Yeah. But when I say like, and I think this is kind of what you were getting at, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I say when I don't care, people's yeah. opinions of me aren't going to change how I truly feel about something or truly feel mm. about what I'm doing. So if they say, Oh, I don't like, like, let's say I'm a musician. I'm not, I can't play a note, you know, whatever, but let's say I've decided to come out with an album. They're like, yo, this album sucks. And it's like, no, I mean, yes, maybe to you, that's cool, but I'm still going to release it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also like, yeah, I think it's not, not being as precious about it. Mm. I think that not having your identity wrapped up in, in what you do artistically, where mm. I think that before I very much did, um, it's not who I am. It mm-hmm. is something that I put out into the world and either people are going to resonate with that or they're not. And like, that's, you know, I don't resonate with all music out there either. You know, it's not, it's, it's whatever, it's um whatever floats your boat, you know? And so it's like less, it's less personal. I guess that's what it is. The, I don't care is that like, it's not personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The it's actual all... album is quite personal, but it's, but, yeah. but whether or not you like it, it's, it's less personal in that way. Yeah. And it's all opinion based. So there, there's yeah. no actual 
facts being laid out there. It's yeah. just, oh, I don't like that. Okay. I don't really like bitter as a taste. Yeah. Like it doesn't mean that it's like a bad, like it's yeah. needed in like in the grander scope of things, you know, mm-hmm. but like, it's just not to my taste. Yeah. I completely understand. So, um, so just going to reiterate it. The album comes out here in about an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Somewhere on- it'll be on Bandcamp. I will release it on Bandcamp because I have control over that side okay. at midnight. Um, and then it's actually, um, the young folks just, which is a, let me get the, I can do like a little plug here as I pull it up, but mm-hmm. uh, they did a release of an official release of the album um, tonight. And so that's up on their site. Um, it's the young and it's the music premiere, the Mimo release. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the album is up on SoundCloud through that site right now, actually mm-hmm. as like a pre-release yeah. um, on Bandcamp, I'll release it at midnight and then it should matriculate. I don't know if, if it's going to be on iTunes and Spotify and all the other platforms at midnight or like sometime tomorrow. Yeah. Usually Spotify is pretty good. Okay. <laughs> um, but then again, if if you didn't get it to them in time, depending on when you got it to them. Well, everything's yeah. in. I know that yeah. I can see that on my side. So I know that that it's all there. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Gotcha. We completely understood. Um, cool. So just to kind of step away from the music for a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, we'd talked about this a little bit earlier, but you just got a degree in, Ch- I'm not going to butcher it. Yeah. What's that? It's traditional Chinese medicine. Um, and uh, MSTOM is the masters that I, I got in it. Um, and so it's acupuncture and herbs and, and mm-hmm. Eastern medicine in general. Um, it's the longest master's program that there is in, in the States. And so it was about four, four and a half years. Sometimes you can get out. If you just do acupuncture, you can get out in like three years. Um, but uh, if you do acupuncture and herbs, then it's like a four, four and a half year mm. program. Um, and you get to practice <laughs> with your master. So I will start as an acupuncturist actually in a few weeks. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's that's that side of things. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. My buddy is a chiropractor that also mm. studied acupuncture. So when you said that, I knew exactly what you meant. And I was just yeah. like, I don't know. Needles scare me, but they keep telling me acupuncture is something different or not that bad. It is. So I think because we come from like a a shot culture, you know, it's uh, inoculations are really scary because they're big hyperdermic needles. And then or like getting your blood taken is also scary because of of that. They're big, thick needles. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, so we have this like negative correlation to what needles Mm -hmm. are. And um, I actually in school did a presentation for needle phobic people mm-hmm. um, talking about it because an acupuncturist needle is one one hundredth the size of what uh, a hyperdermic needle is. Oh, wow. So they're very, very thin. Mm-hmm. Um, they're filiform. So they, there's no like hole in them. There's a, mm-hmm. uh, and for the most part, unless you're trying to get a, a mm-hmm. sensation, unless you're trying to release a muscle or something, yeah. you don't really feel it at all. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I feel like a prick for a moment, but like for the most part, you don't really feel it. Yeah. And I think my fear was, so I have a uh, cerebral palsy and <laughs> growing, growing up, it was the doctor once a week, 
blood yes. tests every three months, you know, just like a whole Absolutely. gamut of traditional medicine yeah. type stuff. And when you're six, seven years old and you don't understand any of this stuff yeah. and all you know is they're putting a needle in your arm and it hurts. Yes. That scares the oh, hell out of you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that, um, our correlation to what that is. And especially if you've gone through, mm. um, you know, any sort of like illness, especially in childhood yeah. of, course you're going to have a different experience of what it is to yeah. to interact with needles and doctors and all of it you know yep i i always told my parents though the good thing is you don't ever have to worry about me doing hard drugs because <laughs> i am like, definitely yep, i'm not going there but yeah no i i'd mentioned that i'm all about like the natural stuff and i just like updated all or got fresh bottles of all my supplements that I take for knee joint pain and yeah. um, muscle relax. Well, I guess muscle relaxers is kind of a strong term. They're sleep aids that just aren't strong enough to knock me out. Okay. Gotcha. So, yeah. um, I use those to kind of relax the muscles and get me through the day. And yeah. Yeah. So. Like an L-theanine or, or like, a, uh, so or like right. an prescription, th- like, so like oh, a no. natural supplement. Yeah. So I take valerian root. It's oh, yeah. very big valerian root. Yeah. I take, that's like the savior of my life. Like it <laughs> keeps, and then I started taking kava again. Oh yeah. But, but the issue with kava, it's also a diuretic. And so it, uh, it like I'm up into the bathroom like all the time. So I started taking it at night and I don't get up as much. So that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Kava is really calming. I, um, I don't drink. And so they have like kava bars now mm-hmm. and uh, just like kava root drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great, uh, adaptogen, you know, it's, it's yeah. a, one of the good ones. Yeah. And then I, uh, started taking Fluorosil 50 for like my gut health mm. and all that stuff. So that's yeah. been, that's been a new journey. That's, that's one of those like bro pills that have, I've seen kind of pop up on the, uh, the internet but it's it's helping like it's just yeah i'm telling you it does like everything works i mean being from the so that's more like uh like western herbology and then like eastern herbs sometimes there's a there's correlation between all of it but like we have different names for it that same latin but you know different chinese pinion names and um and uh i don't know if there's a formula that has like valerian root in it that's an interesting thing that i'll research but um but with herbs in general there we have to so my school uh is very western based as well because we want to interface with um md communities Mm -hmm. and i think the best health that you can give to a patient is when you have integrated health in general where Mm -hmm. like it's west and um and so the with we had to take pharmacology classes to make sure that herbs don't interact with, with pharmacology yeah. mm-hmm. um, because the herbs are strong. Like yeah. they, they really do work and they help and it might not be as fast as taking a pill. And I think that we're in a culture that really likes instant gratification, yeah. but if you are participating within your own health, mm-hmm. um, you're going to get less side effects as well. Like it's just that, but they are very strong and they are very effective. Yeah. I like, I mean, for me, a lot of the stuff that I take, it took me about a week or two for it to like really start seeing like some real changes in it. 
but now it's just like it's so ingrained into my my system where it's like okay just keep doing it and you're fine like um i like i just refilled my glucosamine which for for the joints because um when i was about 10 years ago i was living out in new mexico and i was complaining about like this was the only thing at that point i was taking was the valerian route because they tried to put me on like hardcore muscle relaxers that was destroying my liver Mm. and they're like you need to either go get monthly blood tests or we've got to put this uh pump in you to manually put it into your bloodstream and i'm like i'm not doing the pump so that's not gonna because then i'm a dick then i'm stuck and i've got to go to the hospital every month to get it refilled and all this nonsense so they're like, okay, well, we're taking you off the pills then. So you got to wean yourself off. And I'm like, wait a minute, I have to wean myself off this stuff. Like that sounds dangerous. Like, I mean, if it, the pills are that dangerous that I have to wean myself off, then why am I on them in the first place? Right. So, and then I found the Valerian route and. And life got good. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um, But no, it's been amazing and I enjoy it. What, got you into more of the herbology and traditional Chinese medicine? So I come from a weird home, like a weird household. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> That's a way to put it. <laughs> where, where none of this was really odd. And so it wasn't like uh, out of the ordinary or anything. So um, <laughs> I start the story saying I was born in Berkeley, California, which I okay. feel like explains a lot of anything that I'm about to say right now. Okay. Um, even though I grew up on the East Coast, I was born there and I, I lived there for three years. But my parents um, are also East Coasters who moved there in the 60s. Um, and my dad in the Bay Area, um, you know, it's it, it's more open, I think, in general to more holistic medicine and and um, and also Eastern philosophy, like in mm-hmm. the 60s, like really came through there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my dad is like kind of. I'm his one disciple of like a hybrid between Taoism and Buddhism. And, and so like, I am, it is the, the way of the Lynch. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he is a Tai Chi and Qigong master. Mm. Um, and, and he was a teacher. And so I grew up, um, going to, he taught at, uh, at the village center, um, for seniors. Mm-hmm. And, but I would go on, on nights that he was teaching from the time I was very little. And so I sort of grew up within, uh, that sort of martial arts lineage. Um, and then, uh, he had a shoulder problem and he went to see an acupuncturist for his, and also like throughout. So throughout my life as well, uh, his Tai Chi and Qigong master, um, his brother was an mm. acupuncturist and an herbalist. So, mm. um, it was Gordon and George and Gordon was the acupuncturist and, and herbalist. And, um, and my dad got really sick with hep C when I oh, was wow. 12. Um, and he started at that point in time, um, it was right at the start of, of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was at the start of like baby boomers were just beginning to come down with hep C because they'd been in remission in their system for, mm-hmm. for in latency for so long, um, from the sixties. And so, um, uh, my dad 
so my dad was part of one of the first clinical trials for interferon, which is the drug that they now use and like is very effective for mm -hmm. treating it. But at that point in time, it was like, I think it was a 17% success rate, mm -hmm. if that high. So it was, a, it was definitely under 20 and it might've been under 15 for some reason, 17, six in my head. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it had terrible, terrible side effects as well. And so he decided to, to go both ways. So he did the Eastern medicine, he did herbs through mm -hmm. Gordon shoe. Um, and, uh, I don't think he really went through acupuncture. He was doing herbs there and they were disgusting and they smelled up the whole house. So that was my first like introduction to herbs. And then he was doing interferon from the Western side. Um, and, you were supposed to be in the trial for a year, mm -hmm. take it for a year. And after six months, he, he went back to his doctor and he said, these drugs are, are, I think that they're hurting me at this point in time. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they're helping me. I think that they're doing damage to me. Um, and, and they tested his blood and his counts were gone. And so oh. that was my first, like, uh, you know, sight into how Eastern and what is, uh, Western medicine can interface so well mm -hmm. and how they, it can actually help, um, heal a person on, on both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, so I like, I would have moments like that throughout my life of, mm -hmm. of, of Eastern medicine. Um, and so my dad had the shoulder injury, found a great acupuncturist, um, who is the person that I will be working with Angela Lee. And then she became my acupuncturist because I started to have some health issues. Um, and I, at that point in time was hooked. Mm -hmm. Um, so it wasn't, she's sort of been a mentor for me for years now. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, that started kind of my path. And then I was in this crossroads of trying to, to figure out what I wanted to do with mm -hmm. my life at 30. And she just dropped this life-changing bomb where she was like, I just wish that you were an acupuncturist because I would hire you. And it was just at that moment when you're like trying to think about what your life is going to yeah. be and the way that it's going to look. And I it like percolated in my system for a while. And then I mm -hmm. came back to her a couple of months later. I was like, were you serious about that? And I went back to school and I did oh, wow. it. So, nice. Yeah. So acupuncture is primarily what you studied, all that, and acupuncture, you, herbs, Eastern philosophy. That like is this the stem of mm -hmm. of what the Eastern medicine is in general, gotcha. um, and now, then a lot of Western medicine as well. Gotcha. Now, is the cupping thing that became like very popular there a few years ago? Is that also under like Eastern medicine? Yeah, yeah, that comes under acupuncture, and and um, yeah, that's. That's one of our wheelhouses. Gotcha. What is and the washa too? I think that that's become like a big um, washa is to, is used to release the uh, muscular layer and the mm -hmm. the um, surface layer of our skin. So mm -hmm. it's great for like releasing colds if you're mm -hmm. like sick. You like washa your neck. But mm -hmm. right now it's really popular for face for like mm -hmm. facial washa because it also helps build collagen. Oh wow! Um, but yeah, those are all. Uh, tricks of the trade from, yeah. from, you know, like, uh, how many, 5,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I, I always found cupping very interesting. I never, I've never had it done and I never really understood what it did, mm -hmm. but i saw that like, a lot of athletes did it there, at least during the, what was it? The yeah, you saw the beautiful marks. And I think the first yeah. person actually brought it to like the cult, like the, uh, the cultural, mm -hmm. uh, sphere or whatever was Gwyneth Paltrow had, oh 
back in the day had like a red carpet, like backless dress, but then she had these like cut marks on her back. Yeah. And I remember like, what's going on here. Um, it was like pre goop days even, yeah. you know, <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was, uh, what it does is it releases, it's very similar to gua sha in that it releases Mm. the, the muscular layer. So it gets into the, like the fascia and the connective tissue Mm. in the body. So that's why it's great for athletes. So if you're dealing with any Mm. structural issues, it's really good for that. Um, and yeah, or if you have any like sort of pain in your body in general, it's really good. Awesome. I might really have to check that out. No needles involved with that one. So yeah, you don't have to be afraid of it. <laughs> no, it's, you know, it's one of those things where I've been reading a lot and doing a lot of studying about fascia and like the importance of like releasing your fascia and getting that work, like getting fascia therapy yeah. is, it seems to be the uh, general term that a lot of people throw around, um, whether it's like deep tissue massage or, you know, cupping or, you know, yeah. Cu- even some chiropractors do some fascia work, which is really cool. So I've just been reading about it because I'm not one of those. Fascia is uh, so interesting. Mm-hmm. It's the sheath that covers our whole entire body. And only yeah. now are people actually talking about it. Yep. Um, I, yeah. I, there's this guy I watch on YouTube and just watching how people's bodies change right in front of you. Yeah. Just by doing fascia work. It's like, I need to find somebody that does it. So, yeah. But. So really it's the interconnection from all of the, it's actually part of the reason why acupuncture is so effective, but mm-hmm. it's the interconnection of, uh, of all of the organs and also the muscles. Yeah. And it has a muscular uh, element to it. It also has an electrical current uh, mm-hmm. element to it. And so it, it's, um, it can affect your gut health. It can mm-hmm. affect everything. Awesome. Awesome. You just made me want to do it more and more. So thank you for that. <laughs> But, uh, no, that's awesome. And then when do you start, uh, what's, at, what's on the plate now in that realm? Now that you've graduated, do you start, when do you start working? Or? I go to LA for a week to have fun with my friends out on the West coast. And nice. then I come back on the eighth and I start, um, I have like a slow, like onboarding into the practice that I'll be at, mm-hmm. um, called fifth Avenue fertility, uh, on the Upper East side in, in New York. And it's a, it's a fertility practice primarily. Um, but I'm working with, um, Angela, who is the person who brought me into all of this. Awesome. Awesome. And then you're going to try and balance music with it as well, or is- yeah, so that's like the fun little experiment. So I like, as I was graduating, I was like, let's release the album and like, yeah. let's do all the things at the same time. And, um, and I think it's going to be the whole reason why I, decided to go back to school in the first place and and to do all this was really because I um, wanted to continue to be able to create Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life and to be able to do it the way that I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. So to have the support uh, underneath me, both financially and everything, to be Mm -hmm. able to continue to make short films Mm -hmm. and to be able to continue to produce albums and, and not be, uh, no longer like kind of chase the dragon in the Mm -hmm. same way where I was like playing this game of permission of like, will you let me, will you let me be a part of this? And instead like be able to make my own way and, um, and create for forever, you know, for, for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Understood. Understood. So you seem very passionate, very driven by a lot of things and, you know, very busy, obviously with the music, with the going to just graduating, going to school and now starting to work as an acupuncturist. And then of course your short films and all that stuff. 
do you ever have time to just sit back and enjoy life? That sounds really harsh <laughs> to say it that way, but I'm... I mean, the thing is that like, I truly, you know, when I was, I was working at the clinic, my school has a clinic attached to it. And I was working at, at the clinic this last term, um, to do my clinical hours. Mm -hmm. And, uh, while I was, you know, releasing this album and, and doing the gig and, and doing all, all of the mm -hmm. things. Um, and I woke up one morning, I was like, I have a life hack because like, I truly wake up every day and enjoy mm -hmm. what I'm doing. And it doesn't matter what, what the quote unquote work is because yeah. I it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. And so everything that I do is so enjoyable that like, I don't, I don't need a hobby. Like it's yeah. like, it's my whole life. is like, it's like, it's good. It's, it's lovely. I'm very lucky to do all the things that mm -hmm. I do. And on top of it, the people that I work with are all like my best friends anyway. Yeah. So like we all get to hang out together, you yeah. know? Gotcha. Um, but I need a lot of, I need a lot of downtime too. Cause I think yeah. that it's constantly going. So I have like my nightly, like when we get off the phone, I will like take my bath. I will meditate. It's like, I need like the decompression as well for nice. sure. Nice. Yeah. You actually, it was quite funny because you were one of the first people that was like, no, actually 10 o'clock is like the best time for me to do this. <laughs> Normally it's like, Hey, can we do this earlier? Because. Well, I had some musician friends in from Seattle that like, that I didn't get to see. And so I wanted to be able to see yeah. them for, for dinner. And then I was like, yeah, 10 o'clock is great. This is going to be awesome. 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 That's cool. Um, but I don't want to keep you too much longer here because uh, we're, we're coming up on an hour about. Um, so if anybody wants to check out the uh, music when it drops or any upcoming shows or just interact with you on social at all, where's the best places to get all that information? Yeah. So the best place to, to get in touch with me or contact me or, um, just see what's up in general, the only real social media that I do, cause I don't, I don't tweet. <laughs> I'm not on Twitter. Sure. Um, I, I, but I will actively respond to you, um, is, uh, on Instagram mm -hmm. and that's Mimo and Franz. So mm -hmm. it's M E M O and A N D Franz, F-R-A-N-D-S, yeah. um, Mimo and Franz. And, uh, and then the band camp is also Mimo and Franz dot And mm -hmm. that, uh, that's where the album will be in an hour. Um, and yeah, I feel like that that's probably the best, the best, um, inlets to, to get a hold of me in general. And then the music will be on Spotify and iTunes mm -hmm. and everything. The album is called business of healing. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's it. it. That's everything. That's, those are the, the places to find me. Awesome. I will have to add it up. Cause I was going to ask. And my uh, phone number is I'm like, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm an open book. <laughs> I got you. No, it, it was quite funny because as I was kind of prepping for this, all, all that was, all that I could find was the, um, was your Instagram page. And I was like, okay, there, like, I mean, there was a little bit of information on the Instagram page. And then I found like a random link that I think you had embedded on your Instagram that took yeah. to, uh, an article. That's uh, to the worth article right now, right? Oh yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I'm gonna change that back to to ban well actually it'll be now the article that's written about the release of the album. So yeah. that'll be the young folks. But yeah, that's the like the link that I put up there is just whatever the latest the article yeah. is that's out there. Gotcha. That makes sense. And so I was sitting there I was like 
all right, surely she's got more than an Instagram page. <laughs> and so then I, I was reading the article and I scrolled down and I was like, oh, Bandcamp, cool. Yeah. Clicked on that. No other social media. I'm like, all right. Yep. yep. Keep and it then, real minimal, just yeah. real streamlined. You want to get me, get me on Instagram or Bandcamp, and that's pretty much, that's it. And then the music will be everywhere. But yeah. those are like the only places where I really live as Mimo. And then my Mimo and fans account, as I think you saw, because that was the image that you used. Yeah. I don't separate. Um, it's actually kind of important for me not to, because uh, I don't separate my music from the work that I do elsewhere or, you know, from, from the, the Eastern medicine, from any of it, because for me, the whole thing is that I want it to be all encompassing. Like it's, I, I am one human yeah. that's putting all this out there. And like, and I think that in, in a way it's like a level of transparency, like there's mm -hmm. no artifice around any of this, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But it's been an absolute blast chatting with you <laughs> before I let you go though. Yes. We've got to take a spin of the random question generator. Okay. Just a little bit of fun. Terrifying. <laughs> uh, hold on. Usually, you know, it, it, I try not to do it every week, but you know, today special day. So we're going to do right. it. Let's do it. Ooh, a very deep question. Ooh. What is your greatest fear? Oh, Jesus. Well, on like a honest and like, but also kind of corny. No, I think that like putting this album out, out was truly one of my greatest fears because of that feeling of, um, uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't really fear corporal death, mm -hmm. like our body not being here anymore, but like the, the death the dissolution of like ego or who uh, or whether or not um, you'll be loved at the end of the day. Like, I think that that's actually far scarier to mm -hmm. me. Um, and so I think that part of the releasing of the album and why it was so hard was that fear of um, what if people see this and like, and see me for like the fraud that maybe I think that I am inside, which was a huge thing to sort of overcome. And why, when I say like, I just don't care as much mm -hmm. anymore, it's more of like the conquering of that fear of whether or not you'll be loved or whether or not you'll um, uh, be seen at the end of the day. Mm. Totally understood. I get it. You know, by and that, I hate speakers too. What, totally. oh, <laughs> yeah, fair, very fair. Um, <laughs> you know, it's to kind of piggyback off that for me, it almost has to be getting caught up in the destination of life and not enjoying the journey. Yeah. It's my greatest fear, like being so caught up in getting to the destination of where I think I want to be. Yeah but missing the entire point of going to the destination, which is the journey. Yeah. And I've definitely caught myself in moments where it's like, dude, you're in the middle of the Florida keys right now. <laughs> and you're so worried about 
10 years down the line, enjoy yeah. where you're at right now. Like there's very few people that get to be in the Florida Keys listening to bluegrass music, you know, like we were yeah. there for a bluegrass festival. Yeah. So, yeah. No, and, absolutely. And the whole thing is that there is, there's never any, there's no there, there, mm-hmm. like, no matter, uh, on this journey in general, there's, there is no end destination, mm-hmm. you know, it's only the journey. That's all we really got. And then you get what you think that you're going to get. And it's not what you thought it was going to be anyway. So you have to enjoy the journey. Yep. And I think that all wraps up into my fear of being considered a failure. Yeah. That's, that's at at the crux of this too, I think is that feeling of, of what if I fail, Mm. you know, what if, what if it's a failure? Um, What if I'm a failure Mm. putting the, I am, attached to whatever you actually do, mm-hmm. you know, rather than, and it's not like, it's not you as, as a human being, it's yeah. a thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I didn't mean for the end of the podcast to get this deep, but you know, that's what <laughs> we're, the talking word- about medicine, we're talking about philosophy. It's going to go everywhere. It's music. That's it's what hard. the uh, random yeah. question generator does. You yeah. think you're going one way and it's like, Nope, we're going nope. this way. Yeah. So, but, um, once again, I do want to thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me. It's an absolute blast. You're welcome on anytime. Feel free thank to reach you. out. Thank um, you. So much. That was so much fun. Yeah. And uh, if we ever make it to New York, I keep saying it every time we have somebody from New York on the podcast, it's on Please. the list. Come so, on by. My sound engineer, he he's from Boston and he's like, dude, we got to go up the East Coast. I want to go home yeah. and see my family and all this stuff. And it's like, all right, fine. We'll get it. But you could realize there's only like four months out of the year that we really want to go up the East coast. So, <laughs> that's yeah. fair. But starting now until like, that's not true. We actually have, we have like winters are not as bad as they used to be, you know, okay. you climate change, but like, but they, they are not as bad as they used to be. Um, and our Springs are kind of wonky, but like, I'd say that, Maybe we got half of a year now. Okay. Six we might have half a year. Yeah. Like from now until probably what, like October? October's got to be pretty, still pretty October's easy. beautiful. Mm. November is even still like kind of okay at this point mm. in time. Okay. It's like the bad months are, don't come from, unless you want to do like holiday stuff, don't come from December to like through April at this point in time. I say definitely don't come in February. February yeah. is the longest, shortest month, but like, yeah. but like through, Definitely through March, April's a little wonky. You might yeah. want to start coming in May. May through like November, you're pretty okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's good to know. Because yeah. in my mind, it's like from like You're June, like, you can hit it for a month and that's it. <laughs> from like June to maybe September if you're lucky. Other than that, nope, don't even bother. No, no. But, you know, that's just never been there. So, you know. You got to come. I, I'm I'm working on it. I swear <laughs> I am. So, but uh, once again, thank you so much for hanging out. It's been Absolutely. an absolute blast. Thank you everybody for tuning in and we will see you all later. <laughs>